0: Okay, I've kind of got to that point now where I've been preaching for and speaking for a number of years. I can, um, I can forget what stories I've used. I can forget what revelations I've made about myself. So I try not to repeat myself. But I'm pretty sure, uh, and fairly recently, I made you aware that I, I do enjoy a good animated film. Particularly something by Pixar. Am I allowed to name drop? Yeah. Particularly their, their kind of films. I think they're great. And uh, I've also been told never to assume you can get yourself in some pretty dangerous situations if you make assumptions, but I think it's a fairly safe assumption that I am not the only one in this room that enjoys a good Disney Pixar film. Is that a fair enough yeah. assumption? So what I thought I'd do this morning, just to start, I want to test your knowledge a little bit. I'm going to say the name of a character, and I want someone to shout back the film that they appear in. Uh, so we'll go with a, a fairly easy one. I say fairly easy. Let's see how we go. I would con- I'd consider it easy luck, I'm so- some sort of an expert. Uh, so let's start with Sully. Monsters Inc. <laughs> Monster Fantastic. So Sully uh, is one of the main characters of in Monsters Inc, but did you know that he can also be seen in the film Brave? He's in Brave as well. Uh, what about Lotso? Maybe a bit of a trickier one here. Uh, Lotso. <laughs> ah. Toy Story 3. Toy Story 3. Oh, yeah. So okay. he's a he's, uh, big pink bear, <laughs> that's right. Uh, so Lotso's in Toy Story 3, but if you've seen the film Up, if you watch that again, keep an eye out, because you'll see him in that film as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this, is, this, is gonna, this, right, this is really easy, this one. Nemo. Finding Nemo, well done. And Finding Story, well done. Uh, Nemo, he actually makes an appearance in Monsters, Inc., which is very impressive when you consider that Monsters, Inc. came out two years, uh, two years before Finding Nemo. So he actually makes his appearance two years before we, we see him. I thought that was quite interesting. And the same thing with Riley as well. Do you know, do you know what film Riley's from? Inside Out. Riley's from Inside Out, so she's the, 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 the girl in Inside Out. She actually, if you watch Finding Nemo, keep your eyes peeled because very briefly you'll see her in there as well. Now, the reason I'm saying this is that in Pixar you've got the, and, and these films, you've got these certain characters who show up in other films, you've got this crossover that's going on. And this week, there's been a video doing the rounds, particularly on social media, because Pixar themselves have confirmed a theory that has been doing the rounds for years. And this theory is that all Pixar films take place within the same universe, that all the stories are linked and interconnected. And Pixar releases video to say, yeah, actually, that is absolutely right. So they have created their own sort of Pixar universe where all the stories are interlinked and all the characters are in there together. So we've got individual films, individual stories, but all under this umbrella of Pixar within this same, what they would call the Pixar universe. I questioned whether to start this morning by talking about films like this, because uh, there was a danger that you're going to spend the rest of this morning thinking about the things that I've said, trying to think where these characters show up, or you're going to be so desperate for me to get through quickly so you can go home and dig into your <laughs> DVD collection. But stay with me, okay? Stay with me. I have a, I have a point in saying it, Because this morning we're continuing with, this, with our new teaching series. We started a couple of weeks ago. We've called it Everyday Building... A community of the Spirit. And really it came out of, I was sharing a couple of weeks ago, that it, it mostly came out of a, a dream that this guy called Simon Holly from a church in Bedford, King's Arms in Bedford, had for, for us as relational mission, the, the family of churches that we we're a part of. And the dream was addressing the flow of the Spirit among our churches. And in upcoming weeks we're going to be looking at how the Spirit leads us, how he empowers us, grows character within us, how we're to be, a, be obedient to the Spirit's leading. So they're going to be individual sermons, individual talks, but there's going to be, you'll probably find there's going to be a fair bit of crossover among them all. They're going to be connected, they're going to be interconnected, there's going to be that crossover. There's going to be some things that we're going to have to pick up on and come back to to expand on in more detail, or to refer back to. And so with the Pixar films, these are individual films, but under the umbrella of Pixar, the rest of this series, although they're individual sermons, they're all under the same umbrella. And the umbrella is this, it's dependence on the Spirit. So what I want you to keep in mind as we're approaching, I think we've maybe got six or seven more weeks after this. As we're approaching those, I want you to bear in mind, yes, they're individual sermons, but there's going to be crossover, there's going to be things that we're familiar that we're coming back to, because it's all under this same umbrella of dependence on the Spirit. Today, the, the title that I've got for today is Everyday Dependence. It's, it's, as I say, it's fairly broad. I'm not going to be able to cover everything today. Otherwise, you'd have six, seven weeks worth of sermon in, in one go. But I'm going to kind of be, be just addressing this, uh, kind of scratching the surface of it really to get us thinking about it, what it means to be a people who are dependent on the Spirit. If you've got your Bibles with you, if you can turn to the book of Acts. We're going to start in Acts chapter 1. If you're sitting next to someone who hasn't got a Bible, be friendly and share Now the book of Acts really focuses on the establishment of the church, it it focuses on the early life of the church. So when we're talking about dependence on the spirit and the fact that we're starting in Acts and Acts 1, at the very start and establishment of the church, there's a significance in there. So the dependence on the spirit is established right when the church is being established. It's significant that our starting point would be here. So I'm going to read from Acts chapter one and from verse one. It says in the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And you will be my witnesses and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. So at this point, uh, this is after Jesus has been crucified. So after Jesus was crucified, he was laid in a tomb. His followers, the the people that have been following him, were probably thinking, what are we going to do now? This is not what we understood uh, how things were going to work out how things were going to be. Jesus, who we've spent, you know, for some of them, that spent three years with him and now Jesus is gone and he's laid in the tomb and then three days later, he rises from the dead and he's now been with the disciples for a period of 40 days. So he's come back to, to the disciples and he's been with them for 40 days. Um, it says that he... Uh, um, yeah, appearing with them, speaking about the kingdom of God, spending time with them. But it's in this period, he's, ne- he's then soon to return to the Father. Okay? So he's come back 40 days with the disciples, soon to return to the Father. And before he returns to, to be with the Father, he calls them to be his witnesses to the very ends of the earth. To start where they are and to be his witnesses. To make Jesus known, to tell of what they've seen, what they've heard, what they've understood. They're given it's, it's a mission, it's a mandate that Jesus has given to them. Go and make him known. But, before they're to do this, Before they're to start on this mission, before they're to start on this calling, they're to do something else. And what Jesus says is, I need you to wait. I need you to wait. I like to try and think what, kind of what the disciples might be thinking at certain times and in certain situations. Jesus, who had been dead, has now been with them for 40 days. He said, go and make me known, be my witnesses. I would imagine there was a fair sense of, yeah, we... Jesus, he's back, he's risen from the dead, let's make him known. There's probably, they're probably chomping at the bit to get going. And Jesus says, no, before you do that, I need you to wait. And he asks them to wait for a very specific reason. It's because they're to wait for the Holy Spirit. And they're to wait for the Holy Spirit because it's the Holy Spirit who will empower them and will enable them in this worldwide mission. I think maybe if they tried to do it without the Holy Spirit... Maybe they would have seen some success. Maybe they would have been able to to make Jesus known in some capacity. But Jesus is saying, actually, this is not about self-reliance and doing it in your own strength. You need to wait for the Holy Spirit. It's what I need you to do. Do you know, it was never Jesus' intention for them to be his witnesses without the Holy Spirit. That was not Jesus' intention. In fact, this mission, this call to make Jesus known is entirely dependent on the Holy Spirit coming and filling the believers, and the same, we see the same with Jesus and His ministry. Last time I was speaking, I got about halfway through my notes and ran out of time. Uh, so then I, I sent an email round because I'd recorded the rest of what I wanted to share. Uh, so that's now up, up online if people want to hear that. I know some people have heard it, but what I was talking about really was was looking at Jesus and and. The, the role and the importance of the Holy Spirit in his ministry. Because before Jesus be- begins proclaiming and demonstrating the kingdom, he goes to be baptised by John the Baptist. And as he's baptised in the River Jordan, as he comes up out of the water, says that the Holy Spirit falls on Jesus and a voice comes from heaven saying, You are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. And it's from this moment, having been anointed with the Spirit, Having been filled with power, Jesus travels about proclaiming and demonstrating the kingdom. Can you see the order that's there? It's the filling of the Holy Spirit, the coming of the Holy Spirit. Then Jesus teaches, demonstrates the kingdom. And this is the same order as he instructs his disciples. Can you see it's that same order? Wait, when the Holy Spirit comes, you will have power to go and be my witnesses through the earth. So it says, wait, Holy Spirit will come. Then when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, then go and make me known we, we need to really this is why this is our starting point when we're talking about dependence on the spirit because at the, the, the establishment of the church this is what Jesus says Holy Spirit first filled with the Holy Spirit in relationship with the Holy Spirit then go and make me known to be utterly dependent John Stott uh, is a, was a, a leader and an author he said before Christ sent the church into the world he sent the spirit into the church. And the same order must be observed today. So before Christ sent the church into the world, he sent the spirit into the church. So it's just this recognition and understanding of the, of the order here. Um, we are to be a people who are full of and dependent on the spirit, not to be working, not to be working independently of him. We are to be working, uh, to be full of and dependent on the spirit. And this is not to be kept within the walls of the church. Hopefully in the first week when I was kind of setting this series up, I made that point. This is not about just what we do on a Sunday or in our midweek groups. Actually, this is about breaking outside of the walls of the church. This is about seeing communities and towns and cities and nations changed. Because keeping... The message of the gospel within the walls of the church was never Jesus' intention. When he told the disciples to wait, it wasn't that they they could form some nice little comfortable group together. It was so that when the spirit comes, they could go to the ends of the earth. That's breaking out of the walls of the church. That's going to the ends of the earth. Does anyone here have a favorite advert, TV advert? Bit of a weird question to ask. Um, No, that's good. You're all wise and sensible people. I've got a favourite advert. That's kind of weird, right? Um, And my favourite advert, it's quite old now, uh, but it's a a Guinness advert. Uh, It has actually been voted the best advert of all time, okay? So I'm not on my own here. Uh, You're looking at me like some sort of weird thing going on here. It's not Guinness Surfers. Guinness Surfers, see? It's a Morris thing, we know. And um, it it was this advert with... um, the. it's a Guinness advert where the guys were surfing but they were waiting for the right wave to come along. And it's this process of, it was, it's like tick follows tock and it's just waiting, waiting, waiting for the perfect wave. And then when the wave breaks, uh, the, the way they'd shown it on the advert was with, with these white horses breaking over the top of the wave. Oh, it was brilliant. See, I could talk for ages about this but I'm not. It's on the internet somewhere, go and see it. Uh, but for Guinness, they had a slogan for a good number of years. I don't know, people might be familiar with this. Their slogan was about good things. Do you remember this? It said, good things come to those who wait, was was the premise of their adverts. It's their slogan. Here's the thing. Jesus has asked his disciples to wait. But the disciples waiting for the Spirit is not just about a good thing. It's far greater than just waiting for a good thing. Jesus says this. He says, you are to wait. Not for a good thing, you are to wait for the promise of the Father. The Holy Spirit is the promise of the Father. It's so much greater than just waiting for something that's good. It's so much greater than waiting for something that might be useful or of assistance at some point. Actually, the Holy Spirit is the promise of the Father. He is God's gift. It was God's intention for the Spirit to come. The promise of the Father Comes to those who wait. Essentially, is what Jesus is saying. How precious a gift this is, and that's what that's what they do. They wait. Then, if we just jump over the page to Acts chapter two, so they've been waiting, just as Jesus has said. Jesus has now returned to be with the Father. Then, in Acts two, it says that when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Okay, so they're doing what Jesus had said to wait. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them, and rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So they wait, as Jesus had said, and then the Spirit comes and fills each one of them. Did you notice that? It's a small word there, but it says all of them. Were filled. None of them were left out. So essentially, the Spirit comes. This is kind of day one. We've got it looks at about 120 people waiting in a room. The Holy Spirit comes. All of them are filled. And then Peter, on this first day, Peter then preaches to explain what's going on because people have got questions. They're observing. The Holy Spirits come. People, what's what's happening? What's going on? So Peter stands up to explain. And he he gives this sermon. And part of what he explains, actually a a pretty big part of what he explains, is how the Spirit is now poured out on all people. Just as it had been promised centuries before, the Holy Spirit was to be poured out on all people, regardless of age, regardless of gender, regardless of status. This isn't about the ones or the twos or the important few. The Holy Spirit is to be poured out on all people. And as Peter um, gives this explanation... Three thousand people are added to their number. Day one, 120 people in the room. The Holy Spirit comes. Peter preaches. Three thousand are added. Can you see what happens when people are dependent on the Spirit and empowered with the Spirit? And then, throughout the Book of Acts, what we see, we we read, and we observe the Spirit-filled church—people who are led by the Spirit, emboldened by Him, performing signs. And wonders preaching the gospel. Phrase that comes up a few times people were being saved daily, or people were being added to the numbers daily. The same Holy Spirit who came upon Jesus is the same Holy Spirit who empowered the empowered the early church. He's the same Holy Spirit that dwells within us. So if Jesus really establishes the importance of the 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 dependence on the Spirit for the early church, then we need to be a people who are utterly dependent on the Holy Spirit as well in our lives. Simon Holly, who I mentioned a while ago, uh, it was at a prayer and equipping event uh, back in September of of last year when he shared the dream that God had given to him. And he said that we can look at all different areas of church, uh, the way that people are greeted and welcomed, We can look to make the worship team a bit more polished and professional. We can make sure that we're doing great coffee. We can spend a lot of time focusing on all these things. All of these are good things. We should aim to do them well. He said, but they should not be our priority. Yes, we should give them time and attention, but the presence of God should be our priority. We need the Spirit. We need the experience of the Spirit. I think he said something along the lines of, if you're looking to do good coffee, like, Starbucks can do that better than we can. When people come in, what are they experiencing? I don't want people coming in and just saying, actually, that was a great cup of coffee I had. I want them to say, actually, I experienced something there. I experienced the Spirit. I experienced the presence of God. Fundamentally, we are to be a people of the Spirit. I've put a little thing here. I think this is maybe, might not just be for me, but I've put, let's not take him for granted. Let's not take the Holy Spirit for granted. Let's be a people who are desperate for a relationship with him, to experience him, desperate for the presence of God. Every day, dependence. I explained a couple of weeks ago why we included the word every day in the, in the series title. Because we're thinking actually, in terms of everyday dependence, every day in terms of daily, am I dependent daily on the Holy Spirit? Every day in sort of every place, wherever we are, every situation, everyday life. Are we a people who are dependent on the Spirit for for everything in in everyday life? The rest of the series, we're going to be looking at, at how the Spirit leads, equips, empowers. Uh, in relationship with us, how we work that out. So as I said, there's going to be bits we're going to be coming back to over over the next weeks which come under this umbrella of dependence. Okay, so what does it look like to be dependent in sort of an everyday situation? But I just quickly want to share something that I experienced a couple of weeks ago that has really got me thinking about, do I really depend on the Holy Spirit as much as I as much as I should do. So it was when I was it was pre- it was two weeks ago when I was preparing for my for, for the first sermon of this series. I was walking to the office. I knew that day I was going to be working on my sermon prep, that's what I'd set for the day. And I was walking into the office and I thought, I'm about to okay, so I'm about to prepare. Probably should pray. Ask for the Holy Spirit to come fill me, asking for, for God to lead me and guide me as I do this. And I suddenly had a this realization I was like do you know what I feel like I'm missing the point of the series because I felt like okay I need to pray because I know I'm going to be doing something uh, I need some help sometimes particularly if it's getting towards the end of the week I'm thinking oh, I need something to come quickly here God I need you help me here but I thought you know what I think I'm missing I've missed the, the point of this series really so what I did I dropped my bag at the office and I headed for the woods seems like a good thing to do right so drop my bag off I went to the woods and I spent about an hour and a half in prayer, uh, in silence, no distractions, no computers, no emails, no texts, no Twitter. And I just got out and I spent about an hour and a half in prayer and just waiting on the Holy Spirit. Do you know what? That was the best way I could have spent my time that day. I don't want to be dependent on the Spirit solely when I feel I need something from Him or I have nowhere else to go. And being honest with you, I know there have been periods of my life where I have kind of, oh, what else do I do? I need the Holy Spirit now. That's not really being dependent in the way that we are called to be dependent. So I've been going on a journey myself over the last few weeks. Mike picked up Uh, Last week, when talking about repentance, he picked up on self-reliance, how we can be a people who, do we really rely on God or do we just rely on ourselves? (laughs) Self-reliance is in opposition to relationship with the Spirit, I think. We need to be dependent on the Spirit and relying on Him and living in relationship with Him. You know, I need the Spirit to help me in every area of my life, in my marriage, in leading my family. My interactions and encounters with friends, family, strangers, as I serve and lead the church, as I teach, as I proclaim the gospel in whatever setting that is. I need to be dependent on the Holy Spirit for all of that. I need to be led by him in all of that. I need to be empowered by him in all of that. Not just bits and pieces. Tim Keller, uh, he's a, a, a pastor and a writer from from the states he's written a book a couple of years ago about preaching he says that while the difference between a bad sermon and a good sermon is mainly the responsibility of the the preacher so in terms of how they construct their their sermon what they put into it illustrations they use and that kind of thing so while the difference between a bad sermon and a good sermon is mainly the responsibility of the preacher the difference between good preaching and great preaching lies mainly in the work of the holy spirit we should do the work it takes to make our communication good and leave it up to God how and how often he makes it great for the listener. Again, just drawing back, for me as someone who, who, who preaches uh, and teaches, actually what's going to make something a good preach and a great preach is down to the work of the Holy Spirit, utterly dependent on the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I do what I, what I can do. I do things to the best of my ability in communicating and preparation, but it's the Holy Spirit that takes something good and makes it great. It's that dependence on the Spirit. The Holy Spirit, he helps us to pray. Romans eight, twenty-six, likewise the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. We are dependent on the Holy Spirit when it comes to praying. The Holy Spirit he affirms our identity. Going back to to when Jesus is baptised, as the Holy Spirit comes, do you remember there's a voice from heaven that says, this is, um, sorry, it's my uh, beloved son. There's an affirmation that comes from the Father, with him I am well pleased. There's an affirmation of his identity. There's affirmation that he's a son loved by his heavenly Father. Do you know the Holy Spirit affirms us in our identity too? Romans eight fifteen to 16 says that you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. That's a daily, understanding our identity is a daily need for us. And it's the Spirit who affirms our identity as beloved sons and daughters of the Heavenly Father, just as he did with Jesus. Ephesians 5.18 says, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And this being filled with the Spirit is a fairly common theme that we see throughout the New Testament. The Greek that's used in that passage in Ephesians is I'm uh, um, not really great with English. I looked this up. It's, it's called a present imperative. So it's something to be doing in the present. So be filled with the Spirit is about now. It's not just a one-time filling, but it's an ongoing regular pattern of life go on being filled with the spirit that sounds like dependence to me go on being filled let it be a regular pattern of life being filled and led and dependent on the spirit in sending the spirit God's not remote his presence has come to fill but not just to fill but to remain think we're going to be coming back to this in a few weeks. Adam, you're, you, I think you're preaching on this, so I'm not going to say too much in terms of the, you know the need to go on being filled. We'll look at it a bit later on. But there are a, f- a few things I just wanted to share just as we come to a close. I was thinking, do you know what? We fill our bodies on a regular basis with food and drink. We don't really question it. We understand that it's a need that we have that needs to be filled. So we just, we do it. And as often, and, um, you know, for, for most of us, it'll be whenever we need to eat. We, we're able to do it. We're created to be filled physically, but we're also to be filled spiritually. We go on eating and drinking it's part of our normal life. Are we going on being filled with the Spirit as well, as part of our normal daily life? Mm-hmm. Just want to f- gonna finish today, just with a couple of things from an Elders and Wives Weekend that we, we went to. Uh, David Holden, I think I mentioned him a couple of weeks ago, Dave Holden, who's yeah, you no. know, been involved with New Frontiers for a great number of years now, he was there as the speaker, and I've been going through the notes recently and there's a couple of things that have really challenged me. The first one was about priorities, that he said. Now, it's during an American football season, if my team are playing, obviously due to time differences, that can can add some, some difficulty in watching the sport, but I've been known to go to bed, set my alarm, to wake up at half past one in the morning Then to watch the game, then to go back to bed about four o'clock in the morning, then set my alarm for, you know, to wake up in the morning. I make time to watch it because I enjoy it, and in a way, it is a bit of a priority for me. If it wasn't a priority, I wouldn't bother to make the time. And here's the thing that was said that has really challenged me you make time for your priorities. I know that maybe is a bit of a general generalization and I know it's not always as clear as that but I think that's a fairly good way of looking at it because when I look at my life I can see that it's true I make time for the things that are a priority for me and for me that means getting up in the middle of the night to watch American football from time to time yeah. But what are my priorities What are your priorities what are our priorities as a church? Because we will give ourselves and we will give our time and we will give our attention to the things that are our priorities. At Sunday's prayer meeting, it was, uh, we're praying for, for me and Mike and as elders and eldership moving on. And the thing that I asked for prayer for was this, is that I don't want to get caught up in the doing of church. I don't want to get caught up in the busyness of life, at the expense of time with God, at the expense of waiting on Him, of enjoying His presence, of going on and being filled again with the Spirit. And this thing again of priorities came back to me, what, is my, what are my priorities? Is being filled with the Spirit, is experiencing the Spirit a priority of mine. Because if it is a priority of mine, then I will find the time to do it. Even in the middle of busyness. Even in the midst of busyness. And do you know what i found actually? If I am in a very busy period of life, the best way I can spend my time is by, is by spending a good amount of time with God. And allowing myself to just dwell in the presence and allow the, the Holy Spirit to come and fill me again. What are your priorities? I don't mean that as a come across as a condemning thing but i think it's a good question for us to ask ourselves what are our priorities finally the other thing that was said at this elders and wives weekend was you cannot live today on past experiences i think there's a great deal of wisdom in that you cannot live today on past experiences we're to go on being filled we need to be constant uh, we need to constantly be filled past experience i think has value I absolutely think it does have value Uh, it teaches us it informs us can be very precious periods of our life very significant periods of our life but what do you have for today I think I asked that question a couple of weeks ago what do you have for today not what did you have a few weeks ago not what did you have a few years ago what do you have for today when I, when i was kind of just finishing primary school heading into secondary school so it's around 94 95 kind of time there was a real outpouring of the spirit i think you know was very much a lot of people's experience was around church at the time i had many encounters of the spirit i had many experiences of the spirit but i can't live today off of those experiences then that's what is that now 20 20 years ago. There are things that we would have learnt out of that. There were things that we could hold on to that could be precious. Important moments in our life as we've grown in our relationship with God. But we can't live today solely off of past experiences. What do we have for today? There's a danger that I can become nostalgic and I can live today off of past experiences thing is though is we cannot allow nostalgia to rob us of what God has for us moving forward as time goes by rather than becoming less dependent on the spirit actually we should become ever more dependent on the spirit can the band come up we're gonna head back into our time of worship We're going to draw near to God, because what happens when we draw near to God? He draws near to us. We're going to come in praise and worship.